Were you ever that one in a million? If so, what's your story? I am a 19-year-old male. In August of last year, I was driving with my sister when suddenly her face turned cold. Gavin, your eyes are yellow, I remember her saying. I quickly pulled down the passenger's mirror, and to my horror, two yellow eyes radiated back at me. Fast forward, I spent a month being sick. The initial diagnosis was hepatitis A. Went back to the doctor, nothing was better. Things were worse, in fact. Was sent to the ER, then to the liver transplant unit at UCSF. By this point, my eyes had turned muddy orange, and my pee was the color of a mahogany tree. Anyways, the team of liver doctors at UCSF managed to save my liver. I was diagnosed with autoimmune hepatitis. Oh, and my eyes were white again. Not me, my wife. We lived in Jacksonville, Florida. She rarely gets sick, but has mild insomnia. Around Wednesday, she had a low fever and complained of aches and sweats at night and trouble sleeping. That weekend, she wanted to see the doctor. I told her she probably had the flu, just wasn't used to the aches, and she always has trouble sleeping. But if she was still feeling bad Sunday, we'd go to a clinic. Saturday night, she couldn't sleep, so we made an appointment for Sunday afternoon. But on our way there, sure enough, she's feeling better. Doctor checks her out. She's feeling fine now, no fever. He says she probably had meningitis, but is recovering. I'm due to go on a business trip to California the next day, Monday, and ask him if he thinks it's fine to go. He says, yeah, no problem. That evening, wife is eating and laughing and all is good. Monday morning, I leave early. That afternoon, my neighbor calls and lets me know my wife was wandering in the street in a delirium. My wife didn't know where she was, so the neighbor drove her to the ER. I book a flight home that night. The hospital checks her out. She has a fever, her blood cell count is in the basement, and she is completely out of it mentally. They're not sure what's wrong and a bunch of specialists start descending on her. I have to fill out a bunch of paperwork on her medical history, where we've been, etc. They think maybe it's some weird autoimmune disorder. Not good. She gets a bunch of transfusions and put on a cocktail of meds while they figure it out. Third day in the hospital, the infectious disease guy comes in. Blood parasite. Maybe tick-borne. She'd been to the Midwest recently. Could have caught it if she went walking in the woods or a park. Next day he comes in, figured out the parasite. Why didn't you tell me she left the country? Huh? She hasn't. Well, she has malaria. Malaria? I thought you couldn't get that in the US. You can't. You need to go home and bring me her passport. What the heck? I retrieve her passport. CDC comes, does a whole case study on her, which they wouldn't release to us. Mosquito traps set up around the neighborhood. Mysterious vans start driving by spewing clouds of stuff. My wife stays in the ICU for a week, but recovers just fine. If you look at the 2010 CDC Infectious Disease Report, you'll see a discussion of malaria and how the XX number of cases all are related to people recently returned from endemic areas, except for one woman in Duval County, Florida, who received it from a cryptic vector. When I was 14 years old, I woke up one day with heavy stomach cramps. We called the hospital and they told us that I probably have a stomach flu and should go to the doctor next morning. After one of the worst nights ever, vomiting and sleeping next to the toilet, we went to the doctor. I had a fever of 40 degrees Celsius and was aching a lot. The doctor told me I had to go to the ER and have it checked out because she thought my appendix was inflamed and causing the pain. We went to the ER and I stayed in the hospital for about two weeks, but they couldn't find anything. They treated me with broad-range antibiotics, and after two weeks I was feeling a bit better and they told me to go home and recover. The night I got back from the hospital, I went to bed and started hallucinating that I lived in a retirement home and that pirates were coming to steal our food. So I was flailing around trying to fend off pirates when my mother came in and asked what all the fuss was about. I told her what was going on and she looked at me like I had summoned a devil. She took my temperature and she instantly took me to the ER again. I had a 41 degree Celsius fever. When we went back to the hospital, I got immediately treated for inflammation and they did a wide range of tests again. They saw that something in my body was inflamed but they couldn't find it. I stayed in the hospital for about two more weeks when they finally found what was going on. 
My appendix was inflamed and burst the night I was having the hallucinations, but on all the scans they couldn't see my appendix. The doctor told me that if I came in two days later I would have died because of the pus flowing in my body. Apparently there is a 1% chance of all the appendix cases that the appendix is so stretched out that they couldn't see it on the scans or that the area was so inflamed they didn't see it. So after staying on antibiotics for about two more weeks, they finally removed my appendix and all the pain was gone. I stayed in the hospital for over four weeks just because of my appendix and my bad luck on being that 1%. For my seventh birthday, we went to Disneyland. They just happened to be having a car a day giveaway when we were there. For my seventh birthday, Mickey Mouse gave me a Pontiac Firebird. I'm allergic to potatoes. Never met someone else who is, so I guess it's one in a million. Never eaten chips or fries. How I met my wife. I'm from the Netherlands, she's from the US. We met in Israel. It was my first weekend in Israel, decided to go on a pub crawl to meet some people and have fun. As I'm buying the ticket, my now wife walks up to the counter to also buy a ticket. The girl working there introduces us. We hit it off the first night, but I'm leaving in two days to stay with friends of friends in the middle of the desert for three months. Two days after I leave, I lose my phone, don't have any way to get back in touch with her. I had little money and could stay work with people in the desert. But I kept thinking about her, so after a week, I say I'm leaving. Take the next bus, goes three times a week at 5am, and then a train to Tel Aviv. I had no idea how to find her, where to stay, and very little money. I email a couple hostels to find a work-stay agreement. Those jobs are very popular and usually plan months in advance. I get an email back when I arrive in Tel Aviv. I can come in for an interview because they have a spot. This is already ridiculously lucky. Right after the interview and dropping off my belongings, I went back to the first hostel to see if they would give me information. They wouldn't give me anything. Now I'm at a loss. Tel Aviv is a city of more than half a million people. I don't know anyone and have little more than the clothes on my back. Kind of defeated, I start wandering around and exploring the city. After a couple hours, I get hungry and decide to treat myself to a restaurant. I'm well out of the tourist area and find a place that's almost empty and rather cheap. I sit down, order a drink, and something to eat. As I get my food, I see my now wife walking past the restaurant. She sees me. I see her. I'm literally dumbstruck and just kind of grin and wave. Remember how I lost my phone? She didn't know that and just thought I ignored her. She waves and keeps walking. I throw like 200 shekels, way too much, on the table and sprint after her, explained, and the rest is history. When I was a kid, I was chilling in the water of the Mediterranean Sea in Turkey. Suddenly, I felt an awful burning sensation on my stomach and my legs. I looked like I had been brutally sandpapered and I got a 40 degree Celsius fever. Turns out I made contact with the jellyfish and later found out that it hadn't happened on that beach for 10 years or so. I was just extremely unlucky. Not sure about the odds on this one, but I survived a non-survivable plane crash. I was on an old PO2, famous for being very safe and uncrashable, on a tour of the desert in western China when I was like 7. My father's friend who hosted me and piloted the plane didn't survive, but somehow I got out with a concussion and apparently passed out for almost a day in the middle of the desert, in the wreckage of the crash, 50 kilometers from the town airport, on the edge of the desert. The people who found me were some tree planters. A lot of people who live in these desert towns in China do this. Found me on their way, picking up a shipment, and the only reason they looked was because they were making a bet on how fast the egg would cook in the sand and went off to the road to test. First things first. According to legends, 15 minutes. I never tasted it though. So according to my dad, the theory that I might have lived was because the plane was mostly made out of fabrics and wood. So when the plane crashed, the front half collapsed and took the majority of the impact. Though I got knocked out, I was probably covered under the wreckage and in the shades. It cooled me off enough to survive for a day or so. I was in two separate car crashes in two separate cars in less than 45 minutes apart. I wasn't the driver for either crash. First car was hit from the side, friend came and picked us up, car lost traction, and we slid off the road and hit a pole. Neither was that bad, just poor timing. 
I slept wrong one night and pinched a nerve in my neck so severely I lost the right side of my body. It just went silent like it wasn't there for months. I woke up in the worst pain I've ever experienced and couldn't talk, move, or do anything. The ER doctor thought I was having a stroke. My doctor had never seen a case as severe as mine, and it was purely a freak accident. Recovery took months, but I have use of my leg and hand again, with some numbness. Other than pain and spasms, I'm mostly back to normal. A bird got into my room through a tiny hole in the ceiling and took a dump on me. Had two 11-centimeter benign tumors growing in my spine, resulting in gradual paralysis from my chest down. They had no idea how the tumors formed. Surgery took 11 hours when they thought it would take four because the tumors were so complexly woven throughout my spine. I now have pretty much half a spine and chronic pain, but I'd take that over losing my life from paralysis and being unable to breathe. The first one, I don't know about the exact odds, but I was born on 7777 and weighed 7 pounds and 7 ounces. Sadly though, I clocked in at 6.50am. The other is that around the age of 14, I started to notice the outsides of both of my feet starting to get much wider. After a couple years of buying expensive custom-made shoes, they decided to perform surgery on my feet. Turned out I had extra muscle growth along with something else I don't recall at the moment. My podiatrist told me he submitted a scholarly article on it. May also have been genetic, as when my dad was three, he developed an extra toe growing out of each one of his big toes. I actually know the name for this offhand, and it's called polydactyly. I've got the middle toes on both feet webbed. So did Stalin. Quack. When I was a teenager, I had just started working at the local Sears Auto Center Express lube shop, and on day one did a quick orientation and my first oil change. The manager walked away when he felt I was good to go, and the oil change went well. Fast forward a few days later, my manager had asked me to come into his office, and he explained that the oil filter I had used had one huge flaw. I didn't know what that was, and it turned out the filter was pressed on backwards into the filter can, and it wouldn't allow oil to flow in, and it damaged the motor. They had to purchase a new motor for the person, and I still kept my job. He said it was a one in a million chance that it would have happened, and it did on my first oil change. I had the rarest type of synesthesia, lexical gustatory. It means I taste words. I was struck by lightning while talking on a landline. This was in the early 90s. Lightning struck through the telephone line and traveled through the handset to my ear. My parents drove me to the ER. I couldn't talk very well. My brain knew what I wanted to say, but my mouth didn't want to say it. I had a terrible stutter. My doctor told me that I had had a dose of good old-fashioned electroshock therapy. My speech was normal the next day, but I get a terrible headache whenever a thunderstorm comes through. I have an unknown type of autosomal dominant centronuclear myopathy. My type of it is so rare that they haven't even seen it before. Getting diagnosed was a multi-year struggle. They pretty much had to rule out everything else. It doesn't feel great to be in this club by myself. Countless blood draws, MRIs, CAT scans, and a biopsy and a genetic test. So far, it looks like my father and I are the only ones with it. Yay. As the researchers pointed out, this isn't really rare, just a type that hasn't really been seen in the population yet, meaning there is certainly more people out there, just not tested or diagnosed yet. In the future, I'll probably be 1 in 50,000 to 1 in 100,000. Sorry to make everyone think I was 1 in a million. I'm allergic to the cold. Like, literally. I get intense hives, swelling, I pass out, and throw up. Doesn't even have to be freezing. Below 45 degrees without a jacket and I can't do it. I have to carry an EpiPen with me in the event that I drink something too cold or have a severe reaction. Bought $3 worth of Pong Balls at one of those games at the state fair. I think it was 10 balls and the grand prize is in the middle and you have to land it in a small glass container. I was having fun and just decided to throw it by flicking my wrist in a weird way. It bounced around for a while and landed right in the red glass container, which was the grand prize. 
Even the worker was surprised that I got it. Had to walk around the state fair with a giant Charmander plush toy after that. Not quite one in a million, but close enough. As a child, I had an extremely rare autoimmune disease. On top of having an extremely rare illness, I developed the rarer and most dangerous of the symptoms. My kidneys started shutting down. Most kids recover from this disease, but not always the ones with kidney issues. I was extremely lucky. I did not have to go on dialysis, and my kidneys eventually reached normal functioning levels. It took a decade to be completely cleared of the disease. My mother likes to call me a miracle child not only because of this, but because she was not supposed to be able to have a kid due to health issues, and had several miscarriages before my stubborn butt decided to be born. Weird stuff. I have symmetric bilateral coloboma of the iris and retina. Essentially, my pupils are shaped like keyholes instead of circles. A single coloboma is pretty rare, double coloboma is even more rare, and double symmetrical, well, you get it. I have a very rare skin disease that only one in a million people get. I've been told that I'll probably never meet another person in my lifetime with it. Haley Haley disease for those interested. For those asking, I was diagnosed by a team of dermatologists. They had to take a biopsy of one of my many outbreaks. A picture of that particularly horrible rash is currently in a medical journal, so I've been told. Yes, it is a very painful disease. Yes, I get steroid injections for it. I also get Botox injections to control sweating and prevent some of my outbreaks. No, I don't know if you have this disease. You have to get a biopsy. Yes, it's inherited. My mother was a carrier, and I've been told my grandmother had the disease for more than half her life. Haley-Haley disease is a rare genetic disorder that is characterized by blisters and erosions most often affecting the neck, armpits, skin folds, and genitals. The lesions may come and go, and usually heal without scarring. Sunlight, heat, sweating, and friction can often aggravate the disorder. The symptoms of Haley-Haley disease occur because of the failure of skin cells to stick together resulting in the breakdown of affected skin layers. Haley-Haley disease occurs due to a mutation in a specific gene that creates a protein that is essential for the proper health of skin. The disorder becomes apparent after puberty, usually by the third or fourth decade, but symptoms can develop at any age. I was born one pound and six ounces in 1998. Doctors said I had like a 15% chance of surviving or something like that. They also said that if I did survive, I would have been a vegetable. So months pass. Funny thing was, I came out of the hospital on the day I was due, came out in February, left the hospital in June. While I am still forming as a baby, and it's 20 years later and I'm alive and healthy. I can walk, talk, and all the normal things. Only thing really wrong with me is my right eye is hanging on a thread because of reasons and I'm socially autistic. I guess that's one in a million. I was so freakishly allergic to ant and bee venom as a child that a single sting from a single little common black ant put me into anaphylactic shock. When my allergist was preparing to start immunotherapy for me, he found that the in-office lab equipment wasn't sensitive enough to measure the infinitesimally small amount of allergen with which to start my titration, so we had to send a sample of my blood to Johns Hopkins so that their lab could determine how much to give me. I did immunotherapy for several years to reach an immune response level at which it would be safe for me to basically exist in a non-frozen climate. Good news though, I'm good now. I've had a few run-ins with ants and wasps since my immunotherapy, and my body didn't freak out and shut down and research indicates that if it hasn't done that after this long, I'm probably safe for maybe forever? I don't have EpiPens, and I'm not overly afraid of ants or bees. To answer a few questions, I live in Florida. I'm not outdoorsy, but stinging things are everywhere. It is, in fact, the Australia of North America. No, my parents would not move me to the frozen tundra to be a nomadic reindeer herder at my behest. Little black ants do, in fact, sting. Several Lassia subspecies have stingers and venom. When an ant bites you, that's using their mandibles and does not deliver venom. When an ant stings you, that's using their butt needle and delivers the pain juice. Most ants do one or the other. Fire ants do both at the same time. 
I did some research a while back and found an academic paper that indicated that if I hadn't had a reaction after this many years, the likelihood that I ever would again is vanishingly rare. I wish I could find it again right now, but I'm already late getting ready for work. So if I find it later, I'll post it. I feel completely safe having a cell phone instead of an EpiPen. I was actually homeless for 4 years between 19 and 23 years old. As silly as it sounds, I used to earn some extra money at the time by helping around in a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament. It was my biggest hobby when I was younger and was something I felt confident about. I also didn't have a passport or a bank account so I couldn't get a normal job. I'm in the UK. Anyway, so at the time I was stuck not earning enough money without a passport, a bank account, or a real job. In the UK, you won't get hired by 99% of companies if you don't have a passport to prove you have the right to work. So one day I got a phone call from a studio asking if I played Yu-Gi-Oh and would consider myself a geek, also if I wanted to be in a TV show. They said they would send me to another country as part of it. Being homeless, the biggest problems is being bored, so naturally I said yes, but told them I don't have a passport. No problem. We'll get you one straight away and pay for it ourselves. I ended up on a show called Geeks that you can still watch on Channel 4 OD. Because I got this passport, I was finally able to get a job, a bank account, and finally a house. Now I'm looking after my 10-month-old daughter who's playing while I type this. So Yu-Gi-Oh saved me for being homeless. I might be an anime character. TLDR, was homeless until a TV company gave me a passport allowing me to get a job and a house because I played Yu-Gi-Oh. This blew up more than expected, so here are some answers to some questions. How did you have a phone? I had a cheap brick phone that would run on battery for a week. Think old Nokia's. I used to charge at my local library in Peckham, London. How did I help in Yu-Gi-Oh? I was a judge for the tournaments. They're a referee for the game. How did the TV company find out about you? I was a judge for the game. The TV show was looking for geeks with different hobbies and they found out about Yu-Gi-Oh. After assuming a Google search, they found the person who run my local tournament to recommend different players and people, and she recommended me. Why do you need a passport? So in the UK, you need a government picture ID and a national insurance number, like social security number, in order to prove you're allowed to work in the UK. I have migraines that cause me to go part or near completely blind so I can't drive due to the risk, so I don't have access to a driver's license's ID, leaving me only with the passport. I'm getting some people who are a little doubtful that it could be so hard to get a job while homeless or to get ID and are shocked it's taking me long to get out. What's important isn't what you know about the world right now. What's important is what I knew about the world as a 19-year-old that just left school. Think back to that age and honestly ask yourself how easy it would be to get a job without a bank, a home address, ID, or experience of anything. Of course, now as a 27-year-old, I'm armed with so much more knowledge to find a way out. I had eight wisdom teeth. The dentist had never seen anything like it and called the whole office in to marvel at my teeth. Had pygmy glandular fever when I was 16. Nothing special about that. Had pneumonia a few months later, probably due to my weak immune system from the first disease, which caused my lungs to collapse, very unlikely for a 17-year-old. The hospital I was in couldn't do any more for me, so another hospital came with a rescue team of eight people and a heart-lung machine, ECMO. Very rare that hospitals have those that can be transported. The hospital only used it the second time and the first time successfully to pick me up. They brought me to the other hospital. I was in a coma for a couple more days, but made it out of the hospital within three weeks after that, just before Christmas. A big newspaper wanted the story for Christmas miracles, but no thanks. I own a Lego minifigure called Mr. Gold. This particular minifig was to celebrate the 10th series of the Lego figurine line. They're sort of like grab bags. You can feel for them, but you don't know what minifigure you're really going to get. So, because they were celebrating, they thought it was a good idea to only make 5,000 of these. Anyways, when I was younger, and even now, I was really good knowing which figures they are simply by looking at the figure's pieces and feeling out those pieces. I really liked the minifigures because I thought they were really cool and unique, so I really wanted Mr. Gold, and me and my mom hunted for it for a long time, but after a while, I gave up. 
Then one day, I was at the Lego store and felt the distinct diamond piece and freaked out. Finding this figure was a downright fantasy. I'm 18 now and still want to relive 12-year-old me's pure joy as he opened the packaging. My dad once asked me for a quarter. I tossed it to him and it went directly into his shirt pocket. Guys, Dude Perfect is losing his mind right now.